In the Bible, we read of Jesus being the rock. This has two meanings. Number one for the believer, number two for the unbeliever. For the believer, those who put their faith upon Jesus Christ, he is the rock upon whom our faith is built. He is that rock-solid foundation that we are set upon, where we're pulled out of the sinking sand, out of the mire, and we're set upon the rock, which is Christ. Upon that lies our salvation, and our Christian life is based upon Him. The second meaning of Christ as a rock is as the rock of offense. This was where we'd like to be at today. I'm offended. And you should be. <laughs> welcome, welcome to where the world's at today. Yes. Christ as a rock of offense to the unbeliever. You know, and how sad this is. And literally, it, it's the, the reason he's the rock of offense and the reason that this scripture is in three different passages in the Bible <coughs> is because he becomes a stumbling block to the unbeliever. They yeah. trip and they fall over Jesus all the time. And this is what happens. So in the book of Romans chapter 9, we'll start at verse 30 and go through verse 33 this morning. And then we're going to talk about this rock of offense, this stumbling stone. What shall we say then? that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have obtained to righteousness even the righteousness which is of faith, because they put their faith and trust in Christ. Mm -hmm. But Israel, which followed not after the law of righteousness, hath not obtained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, question mark, wherefore? Why? In other words, the apostle was saying, why did this happen? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So we spoke about this before we even got started, how that is, it doesn't even make sense. A stumbling stone, but if we believe in the stumbling stone, we're not going to be ashamed. There's a whole lot that we have to go through this morning, my brother. What do you think when you hear this scripture that Christ as the rock of offense? Anthony, my mind goes to Jesus being the most offensive figure mm -hmm. in the history of the world. Very true. More offensive than all the names you could list. Jesus, through the ages, the most offensive figure. But one of the most popular is the same time. The best-selling book, hands down, yep. it, you know, is the, is the Bible... And always will be, always has been. In my my opinion, it always will be. Um, it, it, it's so he offends <clears throat> without discrimination. That's true. And and you know the scripture, you know, kind of kind of you know, what do I think of when I when I when I hear those words from the scripture? <clears throat> I I go back to the scripture to help articulate what goes through my mind. Mm. And as you read that, even just then, it it just it was like bold and highlighted because I, I'm I'm a guy who goes back. I want to go back to the why, right? So he's the rock of offense, um, a stumbling stone. 
you know, as it depicted in the scripture, and I'm thinking, yeah. okay, but who for? Hmm. Yeah. Well, everyone, but but notice what it what the scripture said right before it said they stumbled. Yeah. They approached Jesus and was moving forward mm. from a mindset of the law. From yep. from an indoctrination yep. of the law, and so to so Jesus prevented them from moving forward with a mindset of the law fulfilling them, and he and, and he stumbled them there. So so he's a stumbling stone to those who would lean on anything except for him. So they didn't approach him in faith; they approached him from from man's logic and wisdom, the law, and and because of that, they stumbled. It's it's very true. If you break this down in the Greek and you look at it as applied to Christ as this rock of offense, I love this definition, whose person and career were so contrary to the expectations of the Jews concerning the Messiah that they rejected him and by their own stubbornness made shipwreck of their own salvation. That's craziness. But in their mind... Now, you've got to remember, they, they loved the law. This was a people that ran from the law. They hated the law. Think about it. When the law was given, the law could never make the comers therein too perfect. There was no way, shape, or form because if you offended in one aspect of the law, you were guilty of all. Mm -hmm. They hated the law. They ran from the law. Then they were carried away into Babylonian captivity. And then when they came back, when they came back, they adopted the law and they loved the law and they focused on the law and they thought that that's where it was at was the law. The law was everything that they went forward, forward from that point on, from Babylonian captivity all the way up through Christ, the law was their forefront right in front of their eyes. The 400 years of silence between the Old, the New <clears throat> Testament, there was the law. That's what they held to, and they cleaved to the law with mm -hmm. all their might. So when Christ came and it was contrary to the law in their minds, it was so they, they right. were so stubborn yeah. that they could not see the very Messiah, the right. true Savior, that they had been sent into the world to change everything for them. And he was offensive. Because he did everything opposite of what they believed. Mm. Remember last week we talked about the whited sepulcher right. and how they laid to other people burdens that they themselves couldn't even bear. But they yes. were beautiful outwardly, but they were full of dead men's bones. Christ pointed this out. Man, yes. he brought it to the forefront. 400 years they had lived basically in oblivion like, man, we got this thing whooped. Mm. It was no different in Isaiah's time when Isaiah first called him the rock of offense. Mm. They denied and they rejected God during this time. Yes. It was a time of rejection. Now let's move forward to where we read Peter speaking of the rock of offense. We see the Apostle Paul and Romans speaking of the rock of offense. They were denying the very Messiah. It was the same thing. Right. They were in the same exact boat, but he was so offensive. Yes. I mean, what are, your, what are your disciples doing over here eating? It's the Sabbath. What are they doing? What are you doing healing on the Sabbath day? Mm. What are you doing? They're not supposed to be eating. They're not supposed to be doing this. You're not supposed to be doing that. But look at what the law was doing. The law was setting to the side. Mm. It was holding the people back <clears throat> when the Messiah was literally walking right in front of them. Mm. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack No, it. <laughs> you didn't. That's, that's that, a, how, What a beautiful depiction of the story of the law from, from, the, from the inception of the law in Deuteronomy and Exodus yes. that where Moses... God gave the law and all yep. these rules. Yes. Right? God gave those. Yes. Man made a mess of those. Yes. Man couldn't follow those. Nope. 
So then from the, the, the Babylonian exile to the, to the restoration, right, the rebuilding, that, that adherence to their version of the law, they created the Talmud, they created this, their own set of rules, their own set of rule books, and then they developed a form of religion, but it denied the power of God. Oh, thereof. my goodness, so good. They had that. a form of religion, yes, and, and, and they, they approached their relationship with God uh, by the form of religion that they had created in their own minds. So it was based on human performance. And it's easy to put faith in yourself. It's easy to put faith yes. in, in in a priest that you can touch and feel and see. But but it's it's hard to put faith in something that in someone that you can't. But he was there in front of them. Yes. And so what what so did Jesus come to do away with it? Let's, let's clarify no. that before we no, go. No, 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 no. He didn't come to do away. He no. came in the embodiment yep. he of the Word of God to he fulfill yes. all the law. So. Was he breaking the law? No, he was bringing the clarity of what the reality, the the intent. He of was the law. law. He was. He the was law. the law. Yeah. So, so was the law broken? In in essence, yes, Jesus was the law, and he was broken mm-hmm. and wounded for us. Yeah. And you know, but 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 at the end of the day, guys, he, he didn't he didn't come to to. Um, rebel against God's law, he came as a rebel against human humanity's depiction and mess that they made of what God had intended for them to be. Now, my mind goes to Galatians where Paul clarified to everybody that the law, because everybody was all confused about the law and, and, and everybody was offended because of, you know, Christians. So you had this, this Judeo Christian culture, and then you had this, this, uh, Greek, right. Uh, Greek Christian culture. So you had these two Christian worldviews colliding in, in in Galatia, which was, you know, there was a mix of Jewish Christians there and a Judeo Christians and a mix of Greek uh what you would what you would say were not um Abraham's descendants, right? Greek Christians. And so they had two different worldviews by sense. One viewed the worldview from the from the essence of the law. The other viewed the worldview from the essence of Christ and the blood and grace. And then they were conflicted. So Paul was bringing clarity to them when he said the words um, that the law is a schoolmaster mm-hmm. that brings us to Christ. To Christ. Yep. Now, going to the scripture that you just read here, why does it bring us to Christ? So we can stumble to our knees yeah. and come to the place to where we stop depending on our own legs yep. to hold us up. The law could never make you perfect, but the shedding of Christ's blood could it's the only thing that could perfect, that could cleanse from all sin and all unrighteousness. Mm. It was the only thing that was possible. <clears throat> it's the only way it could do, the only way that it could be done. First Peter chapter two, verses six. I'll go through. I'll go. I'll go six through ten with you on this one. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture: Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, mm. which is elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. That's Christ. He's that chief cornerstone. Now, listen to this part. So he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. And Christ is precious to us. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. 
and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye, but you, children of God, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. He's precious today. Mm. He's so precious. Mm. But it's so easy to see in the world that we live in today that he is truly a rock of offense. And I'm not going to go into no great details. I tell this story, but this morning uh, there was an interview of a young lady that was before a school board. All of you have heard this. I know I know you've heard different stories of this, but she had a challenge that she threw up before the school board in her county that she was at. And it offended her that three hours of her eight-year-old child's life was spent in a propaganda message every day that they went to school. This child was eight years old and being fed a propaganda message that was absolutely poison and contrary to the Word of God. Very contrary, and it was poison. But every day for three hours, it was poured into them. And she looked at the school board, and she said, My children can't even say the name of Jesus or hear anything about the Bible in school but you can shove this down their throat for three hours a day. Mm. She said, I have a problem with that. Christ is offensive. If we look at Christianity as a whole, people love Christianity, what it stands for, sure. everything about it. But when it points to the Savior and you bring Jesus into it, mm, they all start falling away. You can talk about love a lot. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Grace, oh, man. mercy. Yeah. Um, in some facets, you can even talk about judgment, and that's okay. Yep. Um, you can talk about heaven and and eternity and blessings mm. and and miracles. Oh, yeah. And um, you can talk about um, you know, things like uh, uh, healing mm-hmm. and, and answered prayer. Um, <clears throat> and 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 the depiction of Jesus by modern culture, by post, you know, I'm calling it the post Christian culture is a depiction of Jesus as a weak, um, kind of um, altruistic, soft yeah. um, a being. And, 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 and the depiction has been watered down of yeah. who he was. Guys, he was extremely offensive <laughs> yeah. to the culture of the day. Absolutely. He was offensive to those who followed him. Oh, yeah. He, you know, there was a time where he was having a big dinner. They had been preaching and teaching for days and days, and they hadn't ate. They were so entrenched in the words he was saying, and they wanted to get to him to be healed so much that they didn't even eat yeah. for days. So he, he he gathered them all together, and he, they fed them. You know, you know the two fish and five loaves, the story. And then after everything was over, he says these words um, that 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 his body. That, that 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 except they partake in his body and drink his blood, then 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 they couldn't they wouldn't follow her. So that was offensive to them. He was speaking of his crucifixion. He was speaking of his punishment for mankind. He was he was speaking of that. And but it, everything he said, you know. And so so many of them walked away that day, 
right? Because they were offended by what he said. It shocked them yeah. what, what he said. Mm-hmm. So they didn't approach him on faith. They, they approached him on, on, on their understanding of logic. And he was offensive to the Pharisees. He was offensive to the Sadducees. He was <laughs> offensive to the high priest. He was offensive to <laughs> the, the rabbinical order. He was offensive to, um, you know, the, the, everyone that was approaching him from a, a you know, Life from a point of law and legalism, he yeah. offended them. I think you said the key word in that is the way they approached him. Mm-hmm. They approached him with legalism yeah. and the law, and it's that you're exactly right. That's the way that they approached him. But how did the other people approach him? Oh, open. Yeah, they were they were wide open. They saw the miracles that he did. <clears throat> My yeah. goodness, they'd heard tale of mm-hmm. this man named Jesus, mm-hmm. and when he came into a town or a city, man, the people poured out. Mm-hmm. And let's really tear this down. He's got more people going to his Sunday morning meetings than what we've got coming to the church. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So right off the bat, he's going to be offensive to yeah. me. Yeah. He's stealing away my parishioners. He's stealing he's away teaching my false people. doctrine. They're eating corn yeah. on the Sabbath. Oh, man. <laughs> They're doing all these wild things on the Sabbath day. Don't you know what the Sabbath is? Don't you know? And then he would say, don't you know who the mm. Sabbath is? That's And that's why he's a rock of offense. That's why he's a rock of offense. Me and you at a football game on Friday night, we talked about this a little as well. And we tied this back into 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And we tied this to a football game compared to offense and defense. And I loved what you said as we were sitting there, how the church, which side are we on? Are we on the offensive side or do we feel like we're on the defensive side? And then what side should we really be on? But don't the Bible say that I should defend my faith? It does. Yes. Does it? Well. Does it really? No, it doesn't say you should defend your faith. It says to give an answer for the hope. Mm. It's not defending it. Oh no! What so, are we going to do? <laughs> what? So, what's the right answer? So, should we ever be defensive? I think that sometimes in society we get in situations that make us defensive, right? And I think it's a human nature for us to feel like we have to defend this, we have to defend that. And you've heard people say, "Well, that's <clears throat> a hill that I'll go and die on. Right? I'll die on this hill." Right. I know you've heard that said. But I mean, that's, I think that's a society thought. And yeah. even when it comes to the Christian faith mm. is that we feel like we have to defend the gospel of Christ. Mm. We have to defend it. Yeah. How do you, how, how do so you respond an, to that? There's an entire curriculum designed around defending your faith. Absolutely. So <clears throat> if we're offensive enough, then there's no defense needed. Because, <laughs> because the, truth, the, truth is, the, the, the truth is in the offense. It is. And so the offense is moving forward. The offense is advancing downfield. The offense is going towards the end zone. Yeah. Right? The church isn't retracting and defending what the enemy is bringing at us. There is entire albums of of quote-unquote worship music today that is designed around the defense Right. Yeah. There's entire curriculum in universities and 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 Bible colleges around defense, but but we're not moving backwards. 
We're not just getting through the storm. We're not just fighting the devil for one more day. We're not just hoping for enough 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 uh, strength to be able to face this day one more time you know the songs about you don't know the struggle i have well w- w- wait <laughs> you know you know i've been fighting the devil all week long and but guess what you ain't fighting anything it's god that has won the battle so we yes. approach life not from a place of being defensive, not from a place of I'm defending this, I'm defending that, but from a place of I'm advancing, I'm moving forward, I'm going, I'm on the offense here. I have the ball in my hand. The devil, the enemy, the the society, the the, the evil forces coming against us as as believers, they don't they don't have the ball in their hand. We do. We're on the offense. We're moving forward. So very true. <clears throat> so 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 the question I have to ask myself. Is is am I advancing forward or am I allowing the enemy to create a turnover and and allowing him to advance on my turf? So whenever you said that, my mind automatically goes to First Corinthians chapter nine, verses twenty four through twenty seven. And I, I want you to I want you to listen to this for just a moment. Know ye not that they which run in a race all, run all but one obtaineth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Move forward. Mm. Move forward. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Mm. And I think sometimes this is where we get to is especially when we feel like we're in that defensive mode whenever you're trying to defend your faith. Because you're going to get challenged a lot in life. There's going to be people challenging. I think that was the whole point of apologetics ministry. Why apologetics got started was for the fact that we have to be able to give that answer for the hope that's inside of us. And a lot of time it's going to feel like you're on a defense because they're going to be, they're going to come at you strong. Yep. But here's the thing about it is sometimes I think that we get so self-righteous in it right. that we become one of those people that are just beating at the air. Right. Yeah. And instead of actually moving forward, we actually are taking steps back and yep. we're just swinging at the air Yep. because we feel like we're on defense. And when a <clears throat> child of God feels like they're in defensive mode, mm-hmm. then I think that we're limiting yep. the power of God working in us because we have t- taken this step back so far that we're not accomplishing mm-hmm. anything, and we're just we're spending our yes. time and our energy slapping at air, yeah. and not hitting nothing, yeah. not accomplishing, and we become stale and we become stagnant, mm-hmm. and there's no forward movement. Mm. So when you've moved forward enough to cause the enemy to or or someone or some situation to question your faith, yeah, the ball's in your hand. Oh boy! So you're actually on the offense. So yeah. so let's so, so be ready. Uh, uh, you you hit it. You got it. Be ready. Yes. Have the be ready to have the ball in your hand. Yes. Don't be caught there. You know, there's been times I've been in the field. I've been in the field on defense. Yeah. Right. And you know, playing baseball. I'm a baseball player. Well, I used to be a baseball player. I'm still kind of a baseball player. But I will be on defense, and I will be saying, "Please don't hit the ball to me. Please don't hit the ball to me. Please don't hit the ball to <laughs> yeah, me." Right, yeah. And and but see, that's a defensive mindset. Like, oh God, oh God, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. No. Then I remember a mindset of please. 
please hit the ball to me. I dare you to hit the ball to me. Because then I was playing defense with an offensive mindset. So you can, you can, I was saying, I got you, please bring it. And so as a pitcher, and, and I teach pitchers this, you're you're on the defensive side of the ball, right? But by, by by definition, you're on you know you're on defense per se, but you're not. A pitcher is never on defense. A no. pitcher is always on the offense. You're yeah. attack. You're you're moving forward. The ball's going from your hand to theirs. The ball's in your hand. Mm-hmm. So so guys, when when we are when we are questioned or or challenged. Um, the ball's in your hand. You're on the offense. Yep. Be ready for the ball. So be ready to give answer. Be yeah. ready to understand why you believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. Be ready to talk about Jesus without hesitation. Be ready to move forward. And and when you feel yourself getting defensive, when you feel yourself getting upset, when you feel yourself feeling like you have to make something up, no, no. Jesus will stand on his own. Yep. He is asking us to carry his message forward. Yes. I love the mindset shift that what you've presented there today. And if we can adopt that in our lives, and I'm talking about even for myself, I think for any Christian today, we need to be able to understand that, that even though one team thinks that you're on the defense, in actuality, you are always on the offense, Mm. regardless of which side the ball is on or whose ball, who's got the ball in their hands, you are still in an offensive position. And if we can shift our mindset to that and grab that, then that's going to change the way that we approach Mm -hmm. everything in our daily life, Mm -hmm. our Christian life, and that's going to help us move forward with the gospel Mm. instead of of beating at the air. Right. And literally, I think sometimes that we become become offensive Mm -hmm. without even really thinking about it because we we get so – and I'm the world's worst for it – I can get really passionate really quick about causes mm-hmm. and I really, mm-hmm. really come alive. Mm-hmm. But I need to understand. I need to, my mind needs to shift. Right. And my mindset needs to shift. And if we can do that and wrap our minds around that and understand right. that Christ stands for himself, yeah. he is who he is, his work is finished and done. Mm-hmm. And now we get the yeah. opportunity yeah. to spread the good news of the gospel to a lost and a dying world in an offensive standpoint, not offensively, but I mean, it's going to be offensive to some, sure. to most, to the world today. It's going to be very offensive. I believe we're truly living in a Romans 1 society right yeah. now where they worship the creature more than the creator and they've turned the truth of God into a lie. I believe that's where we're at today. But that's why we're here, guys. That's why we're still on this earth is to to clarify and to to let the light of the gospel shine through in a dark and a dying world. <clears throat> so perfect. I mean, you're you're sitting there talking and I can't sit still over here on the other side. I of saw this you mic. shaking. I'm like, ah <laughs> it, it's 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 you just summed it up. Yeah, I mean, perfectly summed it up, and you know, as you begin to talk, my mind kind of goes to the scripture, and and I went back to, and I almost see this, you know, being played out in my mind. Yeah, how did Jesus do this? How was he on the offense when he should have, could have, easily been on the defense? (laughs) So, in the wilderness, Satan comes to Jesus. And says, go ahead, cast yourself off this mountain, cast yourself down here, and oh, 
why don't you make this stone into bread? Yeah. And how Jesus could have said something defensive. He could have. But he said something totally offensive. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> he used the word. Yeah. So how do you how do you how do you um keep from being defensive? Just use the word. Just use the word. Know of God. the word enough. Understand the word enough. Have the word of God in you and enough to be able to respond yeah. with the word. Yeah. So Jesus, you know, uh, J- Satan said, well, go ahead, prove it. Make this stone into bread. He mm-hmm. said, uh, what did Jesus say in that moment? Yeah, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and he used the word. And so then, okay, when, when they brought Jesus to trial and they were questioning him to, to put him, he was literally on the defense. He, he was... Prosecution was prosecuting him, and they have him in the defense position in, the, in this court, quasi court system. So even in in the defense stand, he was called out by the what they thought they were the ones on the offense. Oh yeah, what they didn't understand is they was handing him the ball. They were when they when they said, uh, you know, uh, they say that you are the Christ, and he said. They gave him the ball. He said, "Thou sayest." Yeah, thou sayest. <laughs> and then, and then, when when they said, "Don't you know that we can destroy? That I can destroy you? Mm-hmm. I can kill you?" And then Jesus takes just politely takes the yeah. ball out of his hand. I can see the yeah. football transition here. The guys, <laughs> the guys running at him, and he's thinking Jesus is on the offense. He reaches and grabs the ball. Fumble, fumble, <laughs> fumble, and Jesus grabs the ball, puts it, he tucks it, and he says. No man can take my life, except I lay it down, and I will take it up again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is the power of, of being able to take a situation where you could have, and Jesus, go to the Word, go to the Gospels. You'll see him again and again and again and again in situations where he should have, he could have been defensive, like uh, trying to prove himself, trying to prove that he is who he says he. He didn't have to prove himself. His behaviors, his actions, the power that he lived by proved that, and he took the ball back in his hands. A couple of Sundays ago, the question of the day was asked, and you ask it, is why do we study our Bible? Why do we study the Bible? And I remember going around the room there at Journey, and I heard all the answers that everybody was given. Mm-hmm. And then there was the overlapping answer that the Bible says, flat out, study to shew thyself approved, a workman rightly divining the scripture need not be ashamed. Mm. Think about that for a moment. As we look at the rock of offense, if Christ is this rock of offense, then truly us, if we study the word of God and we rightly design, we rightly divine the scriptures, in other words, that we rightly interpret them, that we seek God's face, that the Lord would give us a clear understanding. Yeah. And this was brought up in that as well. When you read the Word of God, guys, don't just open up your Bible and just start reading it like you would a book. That's not what the intent is. No. You should pray and seek the face of God before yeah. you ever open the first page, read the first word of your Bible, yeah. Lord, that you will give me wisdom, that I will be understand mm-hmm. your Word, Father, and that, that what I don't understand, Lord, give me wisdom because you are the God that giveth wisdom to all liberally. You're ready to give wisdom. Father, that's what I'm praying as I open your word, that you would speak to my life, Father, that I could be a light that shines out. Study to show yourself approved. Study to show the world that who God is, not on a defensive state, but being on the offense for Christ. 
knowing who he is, knowing what he's done. How are we made overcomers, Brother Jamie? How are we made overcomers? By the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And that's where it all key hinges, guys. Christ is offensive to the world, but he is the only cure for the hurt of the world. He's the only remedy for the pain of the world. He is the one on which it all hinges, which it all ties. Without Christ, we are of all people, men, women, boys, and girls, most miserable. Wow. Offense never waits on the defense. No, it does not. Offense is always attacking, always moving forward. Yep. So, guys, don't wait. Don't wait to move into the darkness of this world with the light that you possess by Jesus Christ. You move forward every day with confidence, knowing that he is he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Study your word to show thyself approved. You ain't got to be ashamed when they question you. Take the ball out of their hand. You take the offense because Jesus Christ is your author and the finisher of your faith. Guys, thanks for listening. Um, went a little longer on this podcast again for the second week in a row. But, uh, hey, if you need to break it up into two and listen to it in two 15-minute increments, you go for that. If you can listen to the whole thing, kudos to you. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, love you. Thank you for listening to The Real Life Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please share a comment and follow us on Facebook. And until next time, keep it real.